Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and today on the podcast... I will be previewing Georgia's week two matchup, the home opener with the Blazers from the University of Alabama, Birmingham. Yes, you heard that right. I have put together a full preview of UAB. You might not even want it, but it's all good. You're going to get it anyway because that's what we do here on the Glory UGA podcast. If this was, I don't know, maybe an FCS team that I had never seen play, like let's say Charleston Southern later on this year, I probably would not be doing a full preview episode because I wouldn't really have an educated opinion on them other than the fact that, yeah, I guess they play in the FCS, but UAB, they're a little bit different for me. This is a quality team, guys. They really are. I know you don't want to believe that, but they are a good, solid, quality group of five team. And we need to be ready to play them. And I actually I actually watched a couple of their games the past few seasons, including their week one game against Jacksonville State last Wednesday. I just generally like watching college football. So during bowl season, I watch pretty much every single bowl. So I've seen their bowl games the past couple of years. I've seen the Conference USA title game the past couple of years that they've been in. So I've seen this team play a little bit. Now, do I know them as well as I know Clemson or South Carolina or Florida? No, of course not. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I do. But I know enough and I respect them enough to cover them on the podcast. And that's exactly what I'm going to do here today, whether or not anyone else out there cares. If we want our guys to respect them as far as I'm concerned, if we want our guys to respect them, we got to do our part too and take this game seriously, right? At least that's what my superstitious nature tells me. So I am going to do my full-on Larry Munson, Vince Dooley impression here today and tell you why our guys can't just sleepwalk through this game. And at the very least, hopefully by the end of this episode, whether you believe me or not, whether you think this is a quality team or not, 
hopefully you'll at least have a really good idea of, of, of what to be watching for on Saturday, which will hopefully make the game even more enjoyable for you guys to watch. And, and who knows, maybe you can show off a little bit of your knowledge and impress everyone at your tailgate. So we will get to all of that momentarily. But first, I want to remind you that the Glory UGA podcast is brought to you by our very good friends at Alumni Hall. I hope you guys saw the 20% off flash sale on Monday. You see that regularly with Alumni Hall, especially if you create an account and you sign up for email notifications. Every couple of weeks, it seems like they're giving you some sort of deal, whether it's a 20% off, 25% off, free shipping, whatever it might be. There's always something going on. And guys, you still have time. I know I'm recording this Tuesday night, so by the time you're listening to it, it might be Wednesday, but you still have time to load up on the last second gear for the home opener. Heck, if you're making your way to Athens on Saturday for the game, just stop right in. If you're coming up 316, stop right in there at the Epps Bridge Shopping Center at Alumni Hall. Get all the Georgia gear that you need for Saturday's home opener against UAB. I myself am excited to break out a brand new black vintage helmet Nike golf hat this week. And you guys, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw my tweet a couple weeks ago. I showed you a, a, just a small sample of my Georgia Nike golf hat collection. I got a brand new black vintage helmet one with like the red vintage helmet on the black background that I will be breaking out for the very first time this weekend. So I'm excited. They got all sorts of great stuff like that, stuff that you don't find anywhere else. If you're a student, if you're a veteran, you get 10% off. They also have a rewards program for all shoppers where you can earn credits toward future purchases. So guys, it literally pays to shop at Alumni Hall. Not only do you get the best gear, but you actually get money you can spend on future purchases. So shop now. Again, that's in the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in Athens, or you can order online at alumnihall.com. But all right, the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Let's do this preview. And like last week, we are doing this with a countdown format where I will be identifying five players to know on this UAB football team, four stats that matter, three matchups to watch, two game plans, and one key to the game. Now, will this be as in-depth as the Clemson preview? I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. Almost certainly not. I did not spend the entire offseason breaking down every single game that UAB played. I did not spend weeks and weeks and weeks preparing for this one particular episode. A couple days, sure, but not weeks like I did for Clemson. So it would not be as in-depth, but I don't think that anyone really cares as much about this game as Clemson. But regardless, it's still going to be the most detailed breakdown of the UAB George game that you're going to find anywhere. Maybe not as detailed as the Clemson breakdown, but it's all relative, right? You're not going to find, in my opinion, I don't think you're going to find anything this detailed and this much of a deep dive on this game against UAB. So let's kick it off with five players to know on this UAB Blazer football team. I'm going to start with some offensive guys, even though it's more of a defensively driven team. There's a couple guys on offense that just flashed to me when I watched them last week. The first one is a wide receiver by the name of Trey Shropshire. He is their big play vertical threat. And guys, they do like to try to push the ball down the field vertically. 
He's six foot three, 190 pounds. He had two catches of 40 or more yards last week in their first game against Jacksonville State. I know it's Jacksonville State, but still, those are explosive plays. He ended up with five catches for 128 yards and a touchdown in that game. You know, he only had 14 catches for 310 yards a year ago, so he's never been like full-time their guy at wide receiver. He's never been like their number one option. But he certainly appears as though he's going to be that guy this year. He's got good speed. He, what impressed me most about watching him is he's got the ability to go up and win the 50-50 ball. He did it multiple times in that game where he just went up and won the contested ball at the top of the route. And with some of the inexperience that we still have in the secondary, that's got to be at least a, a concern to, to some degree. So that's certainly a name to watch when you're watching this UAB offense. Now, another pass catcher to watch here is a guy that, you know, he flashed to me. Like when I was watching the game in Jacksonville State, he's the one that jumped on the screen to me first, and then Shropshire kind of came on a little bit more late. But tight end Garrett Prince looks like a freaking stud out there. He's 6'5, 240 pounds. He's kind of that, not kind of, he totally is that new age hybrid type tight end, like Brock Bowers esque kind of guy that's not going to be a dominant run blocker, but he's at least willing to do that. But he is absolutely a threat in the passing game. And they were trying to get him involved in that passing game early and often. He's a super senior too. He's a sixth year guy, been around a long time. So what, he's like 24 years old. But the crazy thing, so I I watched their game in Jacksonville State and this guy was like, honestly, when I was watching the game, he was like number one on top of my list. Like guys, you got to watch out for. But then I went back and kind of looked up his stats. I never really heard of him. I mean, I've watched this team before. I know he's a super senior and it's like, okay, well, I don't remember seeing him or, or remember him doing anything in the games that I've watched. And I went back and looked at his numbers and yeah, there's a reason why. He only has a total of 14 catches and 129 total yards receiving entering this season, which is shocking to me. Like when I watched him play last week against Jacksonville State, and yes, again, I know it's Jacksonville State, but still, he flashed to me in that game, not just like based off his production of the game, but like this is a guy that's got athleticism. He's a guy that can go up and, and make plays at the top of the route. He can absolutely be a matchup problem for teams. And so he was just flashing off the screen to me with his playmaking potential. And to go back and look at his numbers in the past, it's like, wow, he's done basically nothing. That was shocking to me. So Again, he's a hybrid tight end in the vein of Brock Bowers. They were definitely targeting him early in that game. He actually had another really long play. I can't remember if it went for a touchdown or not, but it was a really big play that called back that got called back as of a holding call. It was a holding call that really didn't affect the play whatsoever. It didn't need to happen. But this guy's a playmaker, and they try to get in the ball early and often last week, and I imagine they will do the same this week as well. So that's two guys there: Trey Shropshire, receiver; Garrett Prince at tight end, two pass catchers. The next guy here is going to be the signal caller, the guy actually distributing the ball to these playmakers, and that is a guy named Tyler Johnston III. Now, they do have a kind of a two-quarterback system, but Johnston is the starter. He splits time with another guy named Dylan Hopkins, but he got the bulk of the snaps last week against Jacksonville State, and I certainly imagine that's going to be the case again this week with how he played against Jacksonville State. The best thing that he does is throw the deep ball. And he's got some options with guys like Shropshire and Prince to get the ball to. But he is erratic in the short to intermediate range. That's not really what he does well. He throws a beautiful deep ball. He puts it on those guys, gives them a chance to go up and make plays on it. 
but he's never completed more than 59% of his passes during his career. He's a senior. He's never completed more than 59% of his passes, but he has averaged 9.1 yards per attempt, which that would put him in the top 10 most years. For example, back in 2018, Jake Fromm, I know you guys probably don't believe this because everyone thinks Jake Fromm was complete garbage, but Jake Fromm was top 10 in the country in yards per attempt. He averaged 9.0 yards per attempt, right smack dab at nine yards per attempt. So if he was top 10 back in 2018, Johnston would be right there based off what he's done throughout his entire career. He pushes the ball vertically down the field. Now he's not accurate, 59% passer throughout his career. Part of that is because he does try to push the ball vertically down the field. Those are lower percentage throws. But if you watch him play, and I've seen him play a couple games. He's really not efficient when it comes to those short to immediate passes. They don't really give him a ton of opportunities to do that either. But against Jacksonville State, he was on, man. He threw for 320 yards, averaged 15.2 yards per attempt. And that's kind of been his MO throughout his entire career. Now, he does also have some running ability. He didn't really show it against Jacksonville State. But you can see when he's, when he's playing out there, he moves well. He's an athletic quarterback. He had 359 yards rushing as a freshman, 247 as a sophomore. Again, didn't really run the ball. There was no design runs for him against Jacksonville State, but they've done that in the past with him. And it's something you've got to at least be prepared for because he has that kind of athleticism. And of course, as a senior, he's very, very experienced. Now, he's never like fully been like the guy for like an extended period of time. He split time last year with a different quarterback, uh, Split time, splitting time right now with a guy, although he's the one that's going to bulk with the snaps. He's never, like throughout his career until now, been like the guy. But he is a redshirt senior with 21 career starts. He did. He was the starter uh, really in 2019. Like he was their guy to open the season as a redshirt sophomore. But he got hurt eight games in the season, opened the door for some other guys coming there, and he never quite completely took that job back until this season. But he's a guy that will push the ball vertically on the field, and we'll see him a lot on Saturday. And the next guy, one more offensive player here, is a running back, Dwayne McBride. And it's another situation where he's not like the only running back they use. It's really a two running back system. Last year as a freshman, he had 47 carries for 439 yards. Yeah, you can do the math in your head there, right guys? That's big time explosiveness. 9.3 yards per carry last year as a freshman. He actually set the record for the longest touchdown in school history last year with a 75-yard run. He actually had two plus 71-yard runs last year. Now, he did not start week one against Jacksonville State, but he he basically split even carries with their other guy, Jermaine Brown Jr. But I was more impressed with Dwayne McBride. You go back to the numbers from last year. He was more productive last year. I thought he was better running back. I'm honestly not sure why he did not start the game. Maybe it was something going on behind the scenes there. He's the better running back in my opinion. They are an outside zone heavy run team that we'll talk about here in a few minutes. And he really fits that system well. He knows how to press the hole. He's got good patience, good vision, and he can kind of plant and just explode upfield. Although he's kind of a bigger back, he does have that kind of one-step explosiveness to his game that makes him a really effective zone scheme runner. And that's really what they do offensively. And then on the defense side of the ball, let's go over there to the defense side of the ball. And guys, again, we'll talk about this in a few minutes. This is a defense-driven team, but I've only got one defensive player on my list of five players to know. And the reason for that is they just don't have a ton of guys that just like flashed when you watch them play on that on that side of the ball. They are a very, very well-coached and very disciplined team. They don't have like necessarily a ton of, obviously it's UAB, they don't have a ton of NFL guys. They might have one guy, one or two guys. Uh, and one of those guys is the guy I'm going to talk about here, a guy named Christopher Mole. He's a six foot two, 215 215-pound hybrid player. It's hard to 
kind of pin down what he does because they through different years they and even last week in different situations they use him in different spots he's a very versatile player he's, he can play star he plays safety he even plays linebacker in some packages he's got that frame we can kind of hold up there but uh, he also moves really well at that size he was first team all conference USA last year he and the guys these numbers this is how productive mole was last year in a covid shortened season he had 104 tackles 16 tackles for loss, nine sacks, four forced fumbles, six QB hurries, and one interception. He was the only Conference USA player to rank in the top 10 in tackles, sacks, and tackles for loss last year. This guy can play. He does it all for them. He rushes the passer. He plays between the tackles sometimes. He's out there defending in coverage. He does. He plays zone coverage. He plays man coverage. Does a lot of different things for them. So we need to know where he is on the field at all times. He was without a doubt, hands down, their most productive defender last year. And he fears to be so again this year as well. So gotta know where he, where he is at all times on Saturday afternoon. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. But all right, guys, that is your five players to know. Let's transition into the next part of our countdown. Four stats that matter. I'm going to start with this, guys. I said the outside of the show. One of the reasons I'm doing this episode is because I think this is a very good, solid football team. Now, are they an elite power five level team? Of course not. We know that, but that doesn't mean they aren't a good team. There are good teams in the group of five. And if you're not careful, they can jump up and bite you, or at least give you a, a much closer game than they should. We've seen that year in and year out. They deserve our respect. And let me give you some numbers to kind of back that up. So this team is, you know, we know that they shut the program down for a couple years, but they restarted back in 2017. Since they've restarted, it's almost like they didn't miss a beat. They've been 34 and 16 overall since they restarted their program back in 2017. They have made three straight Conference USA title game appearances. Yeah, I get it. It's Conference USA. But Based on their level of competition, they are doing it extraordinarily well on a very consistent basis. They've actually won two out of three of those Conference USA championships. They've gone bowling all four years since restarting their program. So this is a program that is used to winning, guys. They are going to come into this 
game on Saturday, they're going to walk into the Samaritan Stadium and they are going to believe they got a chance to compete. All right. Now, I don't think that they really can if we play our game. No, if we play our game, we're going to run away with this. Absolutely. But this is a team that's used to winning. They've won at a high level in their conference. They're going to give us their best shot and they're used to having success. And that can be a dangerous thing sometimes. So just want to put that out there. This is a good team that we need to at least respect and pay attention to. Doesn't mean they're on our level. They're not even close to our level, but they are a good team. They deserve our respect. Now, the next stat that I want to talk about here, it relates to their defense. They do this. All the success they've had, three straight Conference USA title game appearances, two out of three of the last Conference USA titles, they've done it with defense. They've been first or second in Conference USA in both total defense and yards per play allowed each of the last three seasons. And, huh, surprise, surprise. I know it's only one week, but after one week, they're yet again leading Conference USA again in total defense. They only give up 155 yards against Jacksonville State. I know it's Jacksonville State, but still, that's doing something against anybody. And they've actually been top 10 nationally in total defense each of the last three seasons. They have not given up more than 311 yards per game in each of the last three seasons. And guys, this is going to be more of a challenge for our offense to get on track than I think most people realize on the surface. I know the popular opinion out there, the prevailing thought is that, hey, it's UAB, so Georgia's offense is just going to get right this week. And I hope that's the case. And I think that very well could be the case. But you got to understand, guys, if early in this game, we're still struggling a little bit offensively with some of these guys that are out trying to find our identity, understand that UAB is very good defensively, extraordinarily well-coached defensive team, very disciplined. They go about it the right way. They're very aggressive in, in, in how they play, very similar to Clemson. So if we're not having immediate success right away and they're getting some threes and outs, which I hope doesn't happen, but if we're not putting up massive points right away and it takes us a while to kind of pull away from this team, don't freak out too much. I know you're going to want to because it's UAB, right? I know you're going to want to. But this is a very good quality defense. They've been literally top 10 nationally for three years running. I know the competition is not the same level of competition that we play. But whoever shows up on their schedule, they are playing incredibly good defense. And another thing here, going to our, our third step. So they, they do it with defense. But how do they do it with defense? Well, I kind of alluded to it a second ago. This is another team that features a strong pass rush and is very aggressive in pressuring the quarterback and trying to create negative plays, a lot like Clemson. They have been number one in Conference USA in sacks in two of the last three years. Guys, they put up 113 sacks over the last three seasons. To give you a frame of reference there, I know competition level is different, but we've only had 87 sacks total the last three seasons. They've had 113. They are also number one in Conference USA in tackles for loss in two of the last three years. They've put up 277 tackles for loss over the last three seasons. We've had 202 over that same time span. So again, just kind of giving you some perspective there and giving you an idea of what this team likes to do and why they are so good defensively. And again, in tackles for loss, they were top 10 nationally in two of the last three years. Actually, back in 2018, they were number three nationally in tackles for loss. So you got to see what I'm talking about here. They're very similar to Clemson in a lot of ways. Obviously not the same level of talent, clearly. That's not what I'm saying. But in how they go about playing defense, they're very similar. Now, will they be more true to form than Clemson was last week? Clemson did not play like Clemson normally plays. It was a very, very uncharacteristic game plan for Clemson 
in week one. So will they stick to their identity more than Clemson did? Or will they see the success that Clemson had with that kind of soft, too high safety look and throw some wrinkles our way as well? It's tough to know. I would probably lean more towards they're going to do what they do, but we'll see. You have to imagine like what Clemson did and the success they had doing that is going to influence them in some way. And they might work some more of that into their game plan as well. And then the final stat that matters here, let's go over the offensive side of the ball. Offensively, they want to run the football, all right? Play really good defense, run the football. Let me give you some numbers to back that up. Here's the stats. In 2018, they were 65% run. In 2019, they were 62% run. Last season, they were 60% run. So each of the last three seasons, they've been above 60% in their run pass splits in favor of running the football. And when they run the football, they are an extremely heavy outside zone team. And I think when I say outside zone, most of you know what I'm talking about. So I don't want to insult anyone out there. But just in case there's a couple of you out there that you hear outside zone, you hear people say inside zone, outside zone, but you're like, what exactly is the difference? I'm going to go ahead and kind of quickly explain it because I want you to be able to identify it when you see it on Saturday because you're going to see it a lot. And outside zone is pretty simple. It's where the running back takes a track where he kind of is attacking the outside hip of the tight end. At the same time, the offensive line, instead of kind of base blocking, like on a man, they're taking a lateral step and continuing to move on laterally down the line, blocking a zone as opposed to blocking a like particular man. They're basically just washing defenders down as they move laterally down the line of scrimmage. And you're kind of getting the defense line on the move. And you got the running back who's kind of reading all this, looking for the, the cutback lane, looking for the open hole. It's kind of like a, a one-cut plant and explode upfield type run game. That's kind of what they do with their ground game. I mean, they really don't run many other plays other than outside zone when they run the football. I mean, that, that is their run play. That's what they go with. And they build and sequence everything off of that, whether it's boot, play action, all their constraint stuff, they really build it off of outside zone. So you got to watch that very, very closely. You're going to see a lot of it on Saturday. And if they have any kind of success with it, that's when they're going to start taking some of those play action shots down the field. All right, let's move on to our three matchups to watch. Now that we know a little bit more about this UAB Blazer football team, I'm going to go back to the first guy I mentioned as one of the players to watch on this UAB team, and that's wide receiver Trey Shropshire against our cornerbacks. Specifically, if they can get him matched up on Keely Ringo or Amir Speed, but even Darian Kendrick as well. I mean, this guy is, he can play wide receiver, man. Like, he's legit. He's tall, long. He can absolutely win at the top of the route. We're going to have to be able to find the football and play it in the air, do a much better job of that than what we did last week against Clemson because they will throw it up to him and take their shots. Of course, they saw what, what happened against Clemson. They saw those pass interferences. They saw us lose the ball in the air and kind of panic. They're going to take shots just because they saw that, but also because that's kind of what they do. They want to run the football and then take shots like that down the field. So this is a tough matchup. This is a guy that we've got to be prepared for. Those young, inexperienced, well, one young guy in Keely Ringo and more of an inexperienced player in Amir Speed has got to be ready to go up and win the top route against a guy like Trey Shropshire because they're going to give him opportunities. They're definitely going to do that. The second matchup to watch here, now this is where it's going to be very similar to Clemson, is the Georgia offensive line versus the UAB front seven. I think you have to imagine going into this game that we're going to try to open things up on offense more this week 
because we need to start to build some sort of identity, some sort of rhythm, and gain some confidence before moving into SEC play next week. Now, in doing that, you open yourself up to a pass rush, and UAB rushes the passer very well. So can we protect JT well enough to try to open things up and take some more shots on the field, to go with some more five-step drops, to do some more slow-developing play-action type things. Can we protect him well enough to do that against another aggressive and productive front seven? And then kind of along with that, can we run it well enough? Now with Tate Rattledge out, kind of, I'm sure we're going to be moving some guys around the offensive line, trying out different combinations. Can we run it well enough on early downs to stay out of third and long, which is really what we were trying to do against Clemson. I don't think we ran the ball as much. Obviously, if you've heard me talk about it this week, you know I don't think we ran the ball enough. But with some of the, the quick game that we were going with, the quick passing game, the screens, all that kind of stuff, we were doing that to try to stay out of third long so they couldn't just pin the ears back and, and come after JT because that's not a situation we want to be in. We're probably going to win a lot of those situations. And we did a really good job of that. They only had one sack. We were like, I think, 7 of 15 on third downs. Uh, and Clemson normally does not allow that kind of conversion rate on third down. We did a really good job of that, staying out of third and long. But can we can we run it well enough this week to stay out of those third and long situations? That's something to watch. I, I think we can. Yeah, I really do. I think that we can. But we, we got to go out there and show it. We got to go out there and do it. And then the final matchup to watch is the other side of the equation here, the Georgia defensive front seven versus the UAB offensive line. It's a good UAB offensive line, at least at the very least, a veteran experienced offensive line. They do return all five starters on their offensive line from a year ago. And as I said earlier, guys, I laid the numbers out for you. They want to run the football. So can our front seven, can that Georgia defensive line dominate this UAB offensive line the way we did the Clemson offensive line? If so, and I think the answer is yes, but if so, UAB is going to find it very, very difficult to move the football. So again, there are a lot of similarities between our matchup with UAB and our matchup with Clemson last week, but the obvious difference being that UAB is not even in the same stratosphere in terms of their talent level. But they are built in in a similar way defensively. Offensively, they are a different kind of team. They're not as much of a spread pass team as Clemson is, but they need to have success running the football to win games just like Clemson does. So there's some similarities there. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, everything's peachy. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. Cybersecurity declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, we're getting towards the end here. Next up on our countdown, we've got two game plans to go through here. Defensively, 
I know this might sound boring, but I think we just need to do what we do on defense. That's how we're going to beat this team. That's how we're going to control this game. Stop the run with even numbers and then give ourselves the opportunity to gain numbers in the passing game against a team that does like to take their shots down the field. And again, I laid out, I think Shropshire at receiver against our cornerbacks is a matchup to watch there. I, I, I want to believe that we can win that matchup and we will win that matchup. He's a talented player. So to make it tougher on them and to allow our cornerbacks to have a little bit of help back there and to not necessarily be on islands against a guy like Trey Shropshire, we need to do a really good job of stopping the run with even numbers, which is what we did against Clemson. And that way we can play more coverage behind that and give those guys help play three over two, four over three, that kind of thing, and just not leave those guys on islands, which might not be a great matchup for them against a guy like that. So that's I know that's simple, but I think that's what we got to do in this game, and I think we very much will be able to do that. If we were able to stop Clint, I know Clemson's offensive line is not good, and this UAB offensive line is a veteran line, but they're still not that talented. They're not any better than Clemson's offensive line. So I think this is a game where if we come to play, we should definitely be able to stop the run with even numbers, stop that outside zone, and then get them a third long, which is not a situation that they want to be in offensively. That's really not where they excel. And then offensively, I think we need to establish the run. I, I know I sound like a broken record when I'm talking about that, but we need to establish the run in order to slow down their pass rush. And then we can work play action RPO off of that to kind of keep them off balance. And I think if we commit to the run more than we did last, because guys, we had success when we ran the football against Clemson, but we just weren't committed to it. But if we can, if we will commit to the run in this game, I know everyone wants to see it just throw it all over the field. And I want to see us throw the ball down the field as well. But it doesn't mean, like, running the football and being explosive on offense are not mutually exclusive. I think sometimes people, have, there's a misconception there. So commit to the run, force them to roll numbers into the box, and then that's where you get explosive in the passing game. That's when you go for the death blows down the field, which is basically the opposite of what we did last week. So for me, from an offensive perspective, that's the game plan I go here. Come out, try to run the football. I know we're going to be tempted to try to push the ball down the field more than we did last week because we didn't do that at all. I understand that. And I think we need to do that, but that will come once we establish the run, make them bring guys down in the box, and then we'll have opportunities, have guys running wide open all game long if we can establish a run early and often in this football game. And then finally, that leaves us with our one key to the game. And yeah, I know this does sound a lot like last week, and I do hate to repeat myself. I really do. But there really are a lot of similarities between this matchup with UAB and the one last week with Clemson. Both teams feature strong attacking style defenses that, that are, I mean, they are, they're consistently among the nation's leaders, not just in sacks, but also with tackles for loss. And both teams do have trouble winning football games when they can't run the football. We talked about that a lot leading up to the Clemson game last week. And the same can be said for UAB. And honestly, you can probably say the same for most teams. If you can't run the football, it's hard to win football games. But some teams are more equipped to be able to find a way to win, even if they don't have success running the football. But UAB is not one of those teams. They have been held under 100 yards rushing nine times since restarting their program back in 2017. They've lost seven of those nine games. 
They were also outscored in those seven losses when they rushed for under 100 yards, 148 to 85. They actually only managed double digits in two of those games. Everything is skewed by one outlier game where they scored 43 points against North Texas back in 2017, despite only rushing for 74 yards. But most of the other games, they weren't even getting double digits offensively when they can't rush for 100 yards. So the fact is this offense is built on running the football. That's what they do. That's what they want to do. They don't really make any bones about that. They don't try to hide that fact. They're open about it. That's what they want to do. Again, particularly with the outside zone and then taking play action shots down the field off of that. But if they cannot run it, nothing else really works for them on offense. And they have an exceptionally difficult time winning football games, even against fellow group of five teams. So if we're able to stop the run, hold them under 100 yards rushing, we're going to run away with this football game. We're going to blow them out. But if they can find some success somehow running the football in our front seven, well, then the game might not be as much of a blowout as a lot of the Georgia fans out there hope it's going to be. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we will be able to stop their run game. But to me, that is undoubtedly the key to this game. Stop their run game. They got no chance to do anything on offense. They just simply do not. Because everything they do is built off of the run, especially that, that outside zone run play. So that is it, guys. That's the UAB Blazers. I know a lot of you are probably rolling your eyes at me right now. Like, oh my God, like is this guy really trying to talk up UAB? I, I'm not trying to talk them up. I'm not trying to convince you that, oh my God, like we're on upset alert. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, this is not Charleston Southern, okay? This is not Austin P. Like, this is a team that is actually a quality, solid group of five program that is used to winning and has had a lot of success since restarting their program back in 2017. Bill Clark's a really good coach. I have a lot of respect for him. I thought Auburn might have hired him. I thought they were really going to go after Bill Clark. I think that would have been a really good hire for them, but they opted, obviously, to go a different direction with Brian Harson. But regardless, like this is a game, as much respect as I do have for UAB as a program, this is a game that we absolutely should win going away as long as we show up to play. So if we show up to play, we bring our A game, it's a blowout. It's probably over by halftime. If not, if we kind of sleepwalk through it, it's going to be closer than people want it to be. And there's going to be a lot of hand-wringing after this game. And our recap episode and all the questions we get for the mailbag next week are not going to be so positive. But I don't think that's going to happen. It's certainly not the most likely outcome because I believe that we're going to be able to control their run game with even numbers with our front seven which means that we will be able to ultimately control this game and give all the fans what they want with the home opener, the first full attendance home opener since what, 2019, I guess, a couple years. So I'm excited about it. I'm sure you guys are too. We will talk a little bit more about this game later on this week when Charlie and I do our official picks of the week for week two. So make sure to check back for that on Thursday night is when we should have that up. But thanks for listening, guys. I always appreciate it. I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>